And as we always do, let's let's uh, begin with a, a prayer. God, we're thankful uh, once again for another story in which uh, you have provided us through your word uh, that we can see and recognize that that you work through our lives in a very powerful way. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning that as as we look at uh, this uh, faithful woman, uh, that we can uh, live out um, the way that she lived in our own lives uh, and continue to seek you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to be looking uh, at Acts chapter 16. Uh, this is uh, going to be no surprise to you. If for nothing else, the, the title of the, the paper says Acts 16, Lydia. Uh, Lydia is not uh, really well known in the Bible other than from this passage. In fact, she's mentioned nowhere else other than Acts chapter 16. And Acts, Acts 16 uh, is really uh, a really wonderful chapter. Uh, and we don't even get into some of the exciting things that are going to take place later. Uh, I went ahead and split this up into two different um, versions. Uh, the New International Version is going to be on the left, 84. And on the right, we have the Message uh, which there's just a few things in the message that I found interesting, uh, how Peterson translated it. Uh, and so I want to look at those. That's not going to come to a little bit later on in the text. So we'll be focusing and I'll be reading mainly from the New International Version. But we'll start in verse 6. If you want to join along with me and read uh, along, follow along with me with the paper, or if you choose to, uh, to use your Bible or you uh, have a device that has that on there, that's, that's great as well. But we'll start in verse 6. Uh, in fact, I'm going to back up just a little bit um, so we can kind of get an idea of what's going on. Uh, I'll, I'll give you, um, well, we'll go, we'll, we'll go ahead and start uh, in verse 6 and I'll back up later and talk about it. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Myasia, they, they tried to enter to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I want to stop there for just a moment, uh, and we'll um, play a little bit with this map so you can get an idea. Uh, this is Paul's second missionary journey that started probably around 50 A.D. Uh, Jesus' ministry uh, would have ended, if, if you do the math, you say, well, it ended in, in 33, because that's how old he was. He started his ministry at 30. It lasted three years. Uh, if you look... Uh, it appears as though the dates are off um, just a little bit. And more than likely, um, Jesus would have been born in uh, what we would now consider 3 B.C. Uh, and so his death would have been around 30. When they went back, obviously, um, the day that Jesus was born, they didn't scrap all the calendars and say, we're starting right here. It took thousands uh, or hundreds of years for them to kind of post-date it. Uh, and so this would have been around 15 to 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Acts chapter 2 uh, at Pentecost would have been um, a, quite a, a while ago. And so you can uh, understand that as Acts was written, uh, this was a long period of time that would have taken place. I'll, I'll give you a larger map 
that you can see down here uh, is Egypt. Uh, over here uh, is uh, Jerusalem, and it is really hard to see even when I'm looking at it, but um, the Jordan River is right down there. Uh, this is where the majority of Jesus' work and his travel and his ministry would have done. Of course, Egypt uh, is where the Israelites were enslaved and they came up through here and crossed the Jordan. Okay, so now I'm going to try to zoom in just a little bit. And you're going to recognize a lot of these. Uh, and that's another reason why I really appreciate Acts is because as we go through and we read the book to Ephesians, which was written to the church in... Ephesus and to Colossians which was written to the church in and you guys are so smart and then of course there's Philippians which was written to the church in okay and so all of these take we read about them in Acts I didn't I, I just didn't realize how smart all of you were when it came to biblical knowledge and I'm thankful for that so uh, we're going to look down here he's going to have started his second journey uh, down here around uh, Jerusalem there, he goes to Antioch, you're familiar with that. Uh, as we look around, he passes through Tarsus, which would have been a little important for Paul because it's his hometown, uh, Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, uh, uh, Derby, Lystra, uh, Antioch, you're going to be familiar with that, uh, Laodicea. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with Revelation chapter 3, there are a few things that Jesus says about the church in Laodicea, uh, not nice things, um, spitting them out of the mouth. Um, Colossae, uh, Philadelphia, a different Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania. Philadelphia is actually Greek, uh, and it does mean uh, um, city of brotherly love. Uh, Sardis. Uh, and here is around Asia. This is where, and, and just I'll show this, here's a place called Lydia, um, formerly known as Lydia. Uh, Thyatira uh, is, is in this area, and so there's some people who suggest that her name may not really have been Lydia. It was just she was the Lydian lady. She was the lady from Lydia. This is Asia, uh, and... And really, uh, Paul and his followers really want to get down in here. In fact, ultimately what they want to do is get to Rome. And that's going to happen a long time from now. But right now they're trying to get in Asia. Uh, and then he has a dream. Uh, and a man from Macedonia says, come over and help us. We don't know what that vision would have looked like with that dream. I mean, how, do, how, did, how did Paul know that he was the Macedonian man? I mean, but he said... Come to Macedonia and help us. Uh, and so they concluded that because of that dream that they would head over to here. And they're going to end up going uh, to Neapolis. Uh, and really they're just going to start there and then they're going to get quickly to Philippi. Um, I could spend six weeks talking about Philippi and the church there. And it is Paul loves, loves the church in Philippi and has this wonderful relationship and it all starts right here in Acts chapter 16. And so he's about to go in there. It is a Roman colony. There are probably not a whole lot of Jews there. Um, there would have been a lot of ex-military from Rome that chose to live in Philippi. And so the dynamic is quite different than what uh, he might have been used to elsewhere. So now we have an idea of what's going on. Okay. Uh, verse 11. From Troas... Uh, and I want to I want to jump over to the message because they do say something uh, in verse ten of the NIV. It says, 
after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. In verse 10, Eugene Peterson uh, reads this, We went at once getting ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. Okay, And so they're going from Asia over to what we know now know as uh, Europe. Um, from Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for uh, Samothrace. And the next day, we went to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of the, that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside of the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Uh, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Okay, so now let's, we're going to be focusing mainly in on verses 11 down through the end of 15. What are some things that, that jump out to you in that text? That they were speaking to the women. Uh, okay, that's a, a possible scenario. Um, let's, let's first address the question of speaking to women. Um, Paul had just had a vision. Does anybody remember who was in the vision? A man. And so it seems as though something's amiss right here. Uh, he comes into Philippi uh, looking for um, a place of worship. Uh, here in the Greek, um, that's exactly what it means. Uh, there are two different words that they use. One of, it, one of them is pronounced sunogage. Can anybody guess what that means? The synagogue, that is not the word that is used here. And so it seems apparent that there was not a synagogue, there was not a temple. In fact, by Jewish um, culture and traditions, you only had to have ten men in order to have a synagogue or a temple. And it seems as though there were not ten Jewish men there to have one. And so that was not the case. Uh, if you look over uh, in Psalm uh, 137, I'll jump over there and read uh, verse 1 says this, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. This Psalm 137 uh, took place after the exile. Uh, they had been taken away into captivity. They did not have a temple. So according to 137, where did they go? They went down to the river. So this was a common place in which they went. Uh, the women were down there. Um, so that's, that's the first thing that we want to note is that is in, unusual in the fact that normally when Paul and his companions would go into a city, they would go uh, sometime to the gates, but often they would go to the temple and they would look for uh, a group of men. If you look later on in Acts chapter 27, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, may have, I may have missed this up. I always get these backwards. Um, I'm sorry, Acts 17, when he um, talks to the men of Athens. Uh, so that's kind of where he normally goes. Uh, I, I want to 
divert away from Lydia for just a second because I want to talk just for a second about Paul. Okay, so he gets this big vision to go to Macedonia. Did he want to go to Macedonia? Where did he have his sights set on at that time? Asia and, and ultimately Rome, Philippi and all those areas, that, that wasn't even on the map for him. But he gets the message, he gets the vision, they say, hey, this is from God, they go there, and they spend several days there. How do you think they felt as they entered the city, and they're saying, okay, God, show us what you got, I mean, we're ready, there's got to be some huge plan that you have for us, I'm ready to go, here it is, Where's, uh, can somebody point me to the synagogue, I've looked around, I mean, I've been down that street, I've crossed over second, and I don't see anything What's going on here? And he realizes after several days, there's not a, a, a synagogue there. So what are you thinking? If you're Paul, what are you thinking? Why am I here? Why am I here? Man, okay, was that really a vision from God or did I just eat something bad at night and have a vision? You know, what, what happened? I mean, have you ever thought that before? That you thought, man, this must be God's plan and you get there and you're looking around and say... Maybe this isn't God's plan. I, maybe so. I don't know. I mean, there's a question. Did, did he know this man that appeared to him in a vision? Um, or was it just simply come to Macedonia and help us? And, and I think there's a lot that we can grasp from this. Is that, you know, as God places us in positions and opportunities to serve and to worship, it might not look like what we think it should look like. Uh, and it might not be what you really want. I, I can tell you as a minister, I've, I've struggled that uh, at times that um, you want to pour your heart into every lesson that you do. You don't want to cut anybody short. But I can tell you, especially as a youth minister, that um, there was a little more excitement, a little more passion that would come forth when you knew that you were going to speak to a group of 800 as opposed to speaking to a group of eight. There was just something about walking into a classroom on a Wednesday night and, you know, there was a big basketball game and, you know, we had a couple boys in the basketball team and a couple who cheered and a couple who, you know, or whatever, how it worked out and you're sitting around and you have five or six kids and you think, man, this is it's kind of a bummer. You know, God, I kind of prefer there being, you know, a couple dozen more, you know. Uh, and shame on me and everyone else who's had that thought because um, God has placed us there. And maybe it's one of those two or three or four kids that we have. Uh, and, and that's who really needs ministering to. And so if you walk into a situation and scan and say, this is not what God had planned for me, there should be more people here, or that's not really it at all. In fact, if you look at Jesus and his ministry, his most effective ministry occurred when he was dealing with small groups of people. He fed the 5,000, and what happened right after that? They left him. They said, this teaching is too hard for us. They, you know... This is a day after they had been fed, and, and they got up and left. Um, and it was, it was Nicodemus and the bleeding woman and the woman beside the, be the well. It was these, these small, intimate groups that when he dealt with them, that's when uh, he allowed that to happen. So they come in, they're, they're in there, and it's, 
a small group of women down by the river. Okay, yes. There, there weren't ten men there. Uh, and you know what? Uh, if, if the church waited for, for ten men to start to do something in order for a ministry to occur, that would never happen. And so, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to be negative towards my gender, but I can, I, I've sat in plenty of meetings where men have sat around and talked for several hours about what we could do or what could happen or how Uncle Jed's brother's friend did it and we could do it that way. And you leave that meeting and, and you come back the next week and you talk about the same thing over again because nothing got done. And you get a group of women together and they form a game plan and it's, you know, you know, you have the church built in a few days. Yes, because the women can tell the man what to do, and that's how it works. Kara? Yeah, and, and the word in the Greek is uh, phobomenoi, which is fear of God. Uh, most likely, she, she um, could have been um, a, a convert, a proselyte to Judaism, and a proselyte is just a word that means to have, have come over uh, to Judaism. And so there is the likelihood that either one, she worshipped God, uh, or two, not only did she worship God, she, she converted to Judaism, which means that she would have followed their laws uh, and their rules and done the things that, that, that she should have done. Okay, so we have one little hint to that, Kara, that makes us think that possibly uh, she uh, had converted to Judaism. Okay, um, what do you think that is? What do we know from this text? It kind of sneaks up in there because we hear it so much we don't think about it. Let me, let me just ask you this, and this will give it away. What day was she doing this? The Sabbath. The Sabbath. Um, did Gentiles observe the Sabbath? No. Gentiles would have done, um, they, they would have been back in the city, back at their shop. Um, they would have been working on... Um, getting their their purple dye ready from these shellfish, and they would have been creating this expensive material in which to sell. Which, by the way, I think most of us know, purple was a royal color, and it was very very difficult to create. You would get these these shells, and and I don't know how you would extract or crush up or get this this juice from the shell, and you'd put it on the cloth uh, and saturate it, and then the cloth would uh, turn. Um, green, and then you'd put it out in the sun, and then it would turn blue, and then it would turn into this kind of this purplish color, and then you would rinse it off in water, and it was this beautiful, dark, crimson, purplish red. And so this was not an easy process. This is not go down to Hobby Lobby, you know, squirt some dye on there, and you have purple. And that's why it was so hard to get, and that's why it was so expensive. And even in some places, uh, the government, uh, the the official said only royalty can wear purple. If you're not royalty, you're not, you can't wear it. So um, this would have been something a long process. So if she's out at the river. At a place of worship on the Sabbath. Where is she not? She's not in her shop or store. She's not creating that. So she's giving her competitors the upper hand. She's losing business. But she has chosen to be down there. So um, that, was, that was a great question. Uh, she was in fact a God-fearer. Uh, and, and that's about the extent of what we know. Okay, what else? Uh, and, and we have a little hint to that, Sarah, because what does it say in verse 15? What does she ask them? I, and I don't even know if she even asks. <laughs> what does she ask? 
What does she say in verse 15? She says, come and stay at my house. Uh, and I love this because she, she's not kind of like, well, if you'd like to. She's like, y- you will come. And she persuaded us. Come and stay at my house. So, so we know based on what you just said that she wasn't selling peanuts, that this was uh, expensive. And then the second part of that is what? She had a, a, a home big enough to accommodate these, these four men and any others in her household. We don't know a lot about Lydia. Um, we do know that she did, in fact, um, come from Thyatira um, in the area, that city where Lydia was, or the, the province of Lydia. Uh, and we believe that possibly she was a widow, though we don't know that for sure. Um, there's all we have is Acts chapter 16 and one more book that we're going to look at in just a minute. Yes, I, I have always read it that. I just recently in studying over it this week, someone suggested, no, that took several days because of her comment, if you consider me a believer in the Lord or if I have shown myself faithful. But I have always assumed, uh, as in several other conversion stories, uh, the Philippian jailer we're going to um, kind of look at for just a second, it, it happened immediately. Uh, anybody uh, remember the uh, the Ethiopian eunuch who they're they're going down the road and he says there's water what prevents me from being baptized and so they stop then so I, I would I would guess that it happened pretty quickly if not just right then because they were still in Philippi when she said uh, stay with me okay and so they did stay with her for a little bit longer. Uh, we don't believe that Paul, while he dearly loved the church in Philippi, he didn't stay there long like he did in, say, Ephesus, where he stayed years there. Here, it might just been a few weeks. Uh, and, and 16 and following has just a, a funny story, I think, of, of what took place um, and how they were there for a little bit and then they left. There are four other instances, three for certain, one of them is implied where an entire household was baptized. Again, the Philippian jailer was another one where she had the influence that the people around her, we don't, we don't necessarily say that um, this is not, I don't want to get off into to doctrinal issues and argue about this. This does not seem to be the case where it's saying infant baptism. We, we don't necessarily believe that her household necessarily meant just her family. Because back then, their household wasn't just their family, uh, their nuclear family. It might include uh, other relatives and especially servants. Uh, And if she's a woman of great wealth, her household would have, in fact, included um, servants. Uh, But at any rate, she did have the influence. Uh, Something I find really interesting that we kind of talked about for just a second, Paul really wanted to go where? At that time, he went to Asia, and he ends up in Philippi, and he meets a woman who is from Thyatira, which is in Asia. <laughs> so, so God has a way of working things out, uh, and, and we're going to find out in just a moment that there was, it, it was a God's plan that Paul would receive that vision and end up in Philippi. Uh, what else do we know about this? Anything else that you want to mention? I, I'll answer that those because that's a two-part question. Uh, how did that take place? And I'm very confident in this answer. I have no idea. 
<laughs> I don't know. But the, the real point, and I appreciate you asking this, is how can we apply that to our lives, whether it's Paul wanting to go to Asia or it's us and the di- desires that we have in which we know God wants to work in our lives. And, and I'll jump back for, for me 15, 20 years ago, or maybe a little more, when I just knew if God would, you know, allow me to marry this girl, then everything would be perfect. And God, in His infinite wisdom, said, No, you know, you're, you're not going to Asia. You know, you're not going to marry this girl. You know, I've got better plans for you. Uh, and so, for each one of us, you know, I, I think the application is just a- allow God to work and, and don't assume that He's going to work in the way that you think that He will. And when he opens up opportunities for you, don't be so set on what you think has to happen that you miss out on the plan that he really has for you. Uh, and I'll just reference really quickly um, the, um, um, the story of the Good Samaritan where there was um, a Levite uh, and a priest walk by this man who's bleeding and they don't stop to help him. Why do they not stop to help him? Well, we can assume that they're saying, I've got to go worship. If I touch this man, I'll be unclean. I need to go you know, spend time with God. And because of that, they missed out on what Jesus was really calling his followers to do. Is to keep your eyes open and be willing to help everyone. But they were so set on where they were going that they missed out. Uh, and so maybe a little bit less for, for those of us who think that uh, missionary work occurs when you get on a plane or a boat or at least on a long van ride. That's not really the case, that, that God calls us to mission work in, in Hobbs, New Mexico. So uh, one more thing I want to note uh, that's really important. Um, uh, and I like, I don't know if there's a whole lot of backing on this but i really like how eugene peterson translates verses 13 and 14 Uh, if we look over here on the message on the sabbath we left the city and went down along the river where we had heard there was to be a prayer meeting now we don't know this for sure the niv reads a little differently where we expected or we assumed or that's kind of where it happens Um, either way it seems apparent that this was not the first time that Lydia and her friends had gone down there to have a, a, a place of prayer. It, they were faithful in doing that. Now, um, we only had... It was the first lady's Bible class. And let me tell you something. And now you're, you're going to get me really excited. And I'm, I'm going to try to go quick because we only have about two minutes left. Um, but have you ever heard um, of the, the verse, I thank my God every time I remember you? Or how about, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or how about, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. Where are all these verses coming from? They're coming from Philippians. Okay, The the church in Philippi was started where? Do you know where it began? Acts chapter 16 at the river. And guess what? Did she keep going down to the river? No. She had found Jesus. She was a a, a God-fearer before, and once she met Jesus in her life, she began a church in her house. She asked Paul and the followers, his other companions, to, to stay and worship with her there. That was the beginning of the church in Philippi. 
You, you can read all of Paul's letters, and I hope you do, and compare them and read the different things. There is, there is no book that shows more love for a people than right here. I mean, this is fantastic to read the love that he has for these people. And it started with this woman uh, down at the river. Uh, and I think she would have been amazed and humbled and maybe a little embarrassed to think that um, not embarrassed in the sense of she, she felt bad, but just humbled by the sense that this, this church, um, this group of believers, began because she was faithful. Uh, and you're right, it wasn't, it wasn't just, well, we'll just go down there. She went further, okay? If you look at the word faith in the Old Testament, it actually means faithfulness, okay? Now, there's a difference. What's the difference between faith and faithfulness? Yeah, it's faith in action. Uh, and so she, dis- she displayed great faith by being faithful, that she put it into action. And she would not take no for an answer. And, and I, you know, I don't know if they said, oh, you know, maybe we should. And she says, no, 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 you're, you're coming to my house and you're going to stay there. And some wonderful, wonderfully crazy things happened uh, over the course of the next few days. Uh, they're going out and they're spending time and they're uh, reaching out. And, and I say she didn't go back to the place of prayer. I'm just saying it didn't end there. It, she, she really took on the ministry of reaching out to others. Uh, Paul and, and his companions are walking along and there's this crazy demonic woman behind them uh, and she keeps prophesying and she's uh, finally Paul gets tired of it. And he says, basically says, woman, stop talking. And I'm sure no other guy has ever said that before <laughs> or since uh, without getting into a lot of trouble. <laughs> and Paul got into a lot of trouble because this woman also was a prophet and there's a couple of men who... Um, had owned her as a slave and they made money off of her when they found out that she was no longer you know, possessed and able to prophesy. They got mad. They threw uh, uh, Paul and uh, his companions uh, in jail. They were beat up. Uh, and then there was this great earthquake and the jailer's about to kill himself because he thinks that, that Paul and have left. And he says, no, no, we haven't killed ourselves. And, and so now here we have our second group into the church in Philippi, which is started up with a group of women and a jailer who was going to kill himself because he thought that, and he and his whole family were converted. And it's amazing. And, and finally, um, they go to release uh, Paul in jail. And Paul just throws that, oh yeah, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen. And they go, oh no. Because Roman citizens don't get thrown in jail like that, especially without a trial. And they know that they could be in big, big trouble. And they say, why don't you just go ahead and leave town? Y'all can just go out quietly. Here's the back door. And he says, uh, I don't think so. You threw me in the front door. I'm coming back out the front door. And they said, you know, if you'd hurry and leave town, and where does he go? Verse 40. If you have your Bible with you, Acts 16.40, I think it is. He went back to Lydia's house for a few days. And so once again, we, we see Lydia playing such a huge role in the life of this church. Okay, so let's jump forward. Go ahead. Yes, and there's, there's the jailer. We know of that. And, 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 and she may have had male servants. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go off into the different Greek as far as 
you know, masculine and feminine, but it's just like we use today sometimes that if we say men, we don't necessarily mean males, we, we mean mankind, and so this could have been the case. Certainly was, there were definitely women in there. I mean, it was started by the women, so, um, okay, let's connect this in our last 20 seconds of class. Let's connect this. What does this mean to us? It means that God has big plans for you, and sometimes those really big plans start with little bitty actions of faithfulness. Okay, um, it did, he didn't go down there and there was a mega church that he just walked into and people went, Paul! It was some women, not at a synagogue, it was down by the river, who had shown faithfulness. And through that, God had allowed great things to happen. And so, I'm not talking about two weeks from now or a, a, a month from now. I'm talking about maybe God's pl- planning and preparing to do big things through you. And it's going to start with little acts of faithfulness. Maybe not what you think, but God was glorified through that woman meeting down there at, at the, the, the first ladies' class. Uh, and, and God will remain, um, He will allow uh, things to grow uh, as long as you plant and water. Uh, he's going to allow the growth. Just be faithful to Him. The story of Lydia is, is beautiful. Uh, let's close out with a prayer. God, thank you again for reminding us that that you do powerful and wonderful things uh, as you call us to be faithful. And I'm thankful for Lydia, and I'm thankful for the church in Philippi and the the beautiful uh, letter that Paul wrote to them uh, that not only encouraged them, that not only lifted them up, but for thousands of years uh, has provided uh, words of comfort and encouragement Uh, and confidence uh, in your people. And so, Lord, I thank you for the woman who agreed um, to close her shop and to walk down to the river and spend time in prayer. May we always uh, seek uh, to follow you just as Lydia did. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.